0: You have 24 Minutes. You have 24 Minutes, the podcast from 24 Hour Nation. 24 Hour Nation's website, podcasts, and webinars will introduce you to nighttime thought leaders who can help your city be safer, more dynamic, and more respectful at night. We also share global news, reports, and educational opportunities that could benefit nighttime influencers in American cities. In addition, 24-Hour Nation presents new and intriguing things to see and to do at night in top USA destinations. My name is Randall White, host and curator for 24-Hour Nation. Find us online at 24HourNation.com and on social media at 24-Hour Nation. Today, we spend 24 minutes with Joanne Cox-Brown founding director of Nighttime Economy Solutions, a consultancy in the UK. I started by asking Joe how she wound up working in the nighttime space. Learn more about UK's nighttime initiatives and discover some valuable research data as we spend 24 minutes with Joanne Cox-Brown.
1: I was set this task to turn around Nottingham's uh, city centre at night time and so I worked with a team of people so that was police, council, local authorities, youth charities, uh, volunteers, music organisations, arts organisations and we managed as a team to turn around Nottingham from the most violent city in the country to now what is known as one of the safest cities in the country, winning Purple Flag um, Award, having great reputation for uh, managing its nightlife. I then went to work in Manchester city centre as the nighttime economy manager for Manchester. So, after eight years of cutting my teeth in Nottingham, I then went to the second biggest city in the country to go and work there. Um, and Sasha Lord um, has done an incredible job of managing uh, the greater Manchester nighttime economy. So, pre Sasha Lord, I was there managing Manchester city centre's nighttime economy and all that happened in the city centre and after then other towns and cities started to approach me and say what have you done in these two cities to now make them vibrant, appealing, inclusive, more welcoming of um, other people. And so I thought maybe there's a business in here somewhere along the yeah. lines because so many people were asking me for help. And so by default, I got into nighttime economy management um, and I've now worked in nighttime economy management for over what 14 years. And I love every moment of it. I love how it's constantly evolving and changing and the diversity of it um, and the challenges that it faces at the moment we're in the middle of a great energy crisis where we're seeing uh, venues their bills have gone up from a thousand pounds a month to like six thousand pounds a month and it's just unsustainable we've seen the dilemmas of covid and trying to work our way through covid we're seeing the ever changing footfall needs and the noise complaints because more people are moving into city centers we've seen the demand for increased women's safety and say so it's a constantly changing dark art and right. I love
0: it. Now, and it's interesting that the word footfall is not a word you hear a lot in the States but we're just talking about foot traffic and, uh, okay. and then also one of the other things too you and I will talk a little bit about high streets and that was something the first time I heard that term I thought what does that mean high streets and I think over here we would think of it as the main business district the kind of major okay. thoroughfare upon which lots of businesses exist and yeah. thrive so so but I love high streets. It's much classier. So is footfall. You talked a little bit right there. You referenced purple flag. Now I am familiar with purple flag. Probably a lot of folks in the nighttime sector in the states are familiar with purple flag, but explain what the purple flag program is and means in the UK.
1: Great. So in the UK, um, it is, you get a blue flags for safe beaches and green flags for safe parks. Purple flag is for a safe city at the dark. Um, and it is, and it looks at all areas of management of a town centre at night. So from its policy to um, its a partnership working, to um, how uh, the areas are set out, to venue management, uh, to lighting, to a whole raft, transport, to a whole raft Raft of things that make up a safe city at night time and cities will bid for purple flag and say we've got all of these things in place they'll then get an overnight audit um led by the purple flag assessors and then they will say you are a safe city after dark or you aren't a safe city after dark we work with cities on both sides of the spectrum so those who aren't yet at the standard that they would need to be to help them to get to that required standard uh, by writing nighttime economy strategies etc doing our own audit and giving them feedback and advice on how to become safer, more diverse, more inclusive. We also work on the other side, which is for those cities that have secured it. How do they maintain those high standards of operation to make sure that they are continuing to be great places for people to go out, enjoy, party, et cetera?
0: Now, is the purple flag, as I understand it, run by a federal or a national department? How how is it structured? And people apply? How does this work?
1: Yeah, really good question. So it's run by something called the Association of Town Centre Managers. So it's a, a, effectively a body or an organisation where town centre managers uh, can become members of it. It's a member's organisation. Okay. And they agreed a standard which they think is the best practice for operational standards as an organisation. And that's how it's run. It's not a, it's not a government organisation and it's not publicly funded. Um, it's funded by its members
0: I see. So And so um, a, a city or town in the UK can apply, they fill out an application, and then yeah. Yeah, how's that part work?
1: Yeah, so they fill out an application. So we've just done one for a town in Ireland. We filled out their application form for them, with them. Um, we'll look at all aspects of how they operate. We'll provide recommendations for how they need to improve because there will always be areas in which they need to improve. Our specialist team are made up of lots of different people from policing backgrounds, from public realm backgrounds, policy backgrounds, safety background. will go in and look at that area at night and say, yes, we think you're at the standard to apply. If we don't think they're at the standard to apply, we'll say you're not there yet. We've just done that with our city um, in the UK. we said you're not quite at the standard. You won't pass um, if you get assessed at this rate. And therefore, they're given the opportunity to then spend three or six months getting up to the right kind of standard standard before they apply. They operate to really high standards. Um, the UK, the Association of Town Centre Managers. And then what they will do is then they'll send in a team of assessors from other areas around the country, which already have purple flag, to then go and assess the area and say, yes, we believe that from the application form, from the overnight audit, you are worthy of having a purple flag to say that you're a safe city. And the purple
0: night. flag's a big damn deal in the UK. I mean, cities, it's awarded to an entire city, correct, or town. And, and yeah. it's a big deal. I mean, I've seen the press over it. You know, so-and-so got the purple flag.
1: Woohoo! Yeah, absolutely. It's a big deal regarding safety. And so it should be because we need to hold our cities to account. For their safety, because so many cities are not safe, or towns and cities are not safe after dark. Um, we see issues of women's safety coming up. We see issues of uh, ethnic minority safety coming up. We see issues surrounding LGBTQI safety. Um, and it's not okay that big portions of our society cannot go out into their towns and cities and enjoy them safely. We also see, as well, that in terms of the diversity of offer, that The diversity of offer isn't quite right. So, um, when we're doing surveys, so we've just done big surveys across nine UK large cities, um, where we interviewed over ten thousand people in terms of what they wanted of their towns and cities at night. And what we're seeing is a really big disparity in terms of what is there versus what people want. So, versus so normally what we're seeing is kind of fifty-one percent or fifty-six percent is made up of pubs, bars, restaurants, etc. 28% may be made up of theatre and music festivals but actually only 33% of people want pubs and bars 37% want restaurants 45% want to see music and festivals and on-street entertainment whereas that's not really an offer at the moment 38% of people want to see more culture and art 35% of people want to see more shopping 43% want to see more night markets 21% of people want to see more gaming or digital. Digital trails And 30% of people want to see more non-alcohol-led venues ah. um, so, that do not have any alcohol at all. And this is really being led by our global majority who don't drink. So there's a huge rise in the amount of people who don't drink alcohol at all, whether that be for ethnic reasons, religious reasons, personal choice reasons. And yet it's very rare that we would see a non-alcohol-led offer in our towns and cities. So um, I think there's a real disparity currently between between offer and um, what is currently offered versus what people want to see. And that will then impact then footfall um, because if people don't see what they want on their high street, they just won't go out. They won't choose go. What to spend
0: right. There. And in all of these industries you just referenced, arts and culture, non-alcoholic venues, et cetera, that in your definition of nighttime economy, it's all of that, right? Because different people yeah. have a different definition of nighttime economy, what that means.
1: Yeah. So for me, nighttime economy is anything that happens in town or city after 6 p.m. and before 6 a.m. So that's like anything that generates money. So economy is anything really that generates money or activity that happens in a town or city area district at nighttime. Um, and you're right. So many people just see it as bars, pubs, restaurants, nightclubs. Yet there's huge amounts of other areas that people could be spending money on, want to spend money on, but can't. We're also seeing the growth of people working at night as well. Right. So um, Because it, we're working right across the world. Um, people are having more and more jobs that operate at nighttime. My brother's a really good example of this. He's a lawyer, um, and he works with global clients all around the world. His team work with global clients all around the world. They're regularly working until 3 o'clock in the morning because they're working with clients in America or Australia. And and then he's like, well, what do I do with my team? How do I feed my team? How do I entertain my team? We can't go home at three in the morning and just go to bed because we've been working until that time. We're buzzing. We're awake. Exactly.
0: Um, I don't and so- I don't think, I don't think many of our cities realize that, that there's this entire workforce that, that they're they're working into the night. And in the States, it's like, w- w- when do they get to vote? Because yeah. voting polls are even just restricted to daytime operations. I'm really curious, what has been one of your favorite transformational victories with a client?
1: Yeah, a really good example of that is at the moment, we've been working in London with one of the London boroughs and on a women's safety uh, strategy for that London borough. Um, And we went in and we started to talk to the client and they were like, oh, you know what, it's fine. Women are fine in our borough. They They should feel safe. And we think that they feel safe. And what we discovered was women didn't feel safe at all in the borough. And we were able to pull out some really key things that made women feel really unsafe. We took the Women's Night Safety Charter that London as a wider thing had created and then broke it down into really simple steps for that borough to then adopt um, and be able to take forward. And everybody in that London borough is now saying, oh, my goodness, we have no idea what we could do in order to implement the women's night safety charter in London we didn't know the steps that we needed to take but now we've got a plan we've got all our venues bought in we've got our police bought in our council bought in um, everyone knows what they're meant to be doing and now we can work together and we've got a really clear actionable plan I think that that's probably one of my is the great thing about my job is leaving an area they've said oh we don't have a problem it's fine and in fact one of the men who I interviewed during the course of this said to me I said oh what do you think we need to do to make women feel safer in your area he said you know what Joe? women just need to be more confident if they were more confident it would be fine oh
0: no (laughs) (laughs) oh no Oh, no, uh, said Joe. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, and isn't that that paternalistic kind of point of view on, on things? It, yeah. it Sometimes we forget that not everybody shares our, not everybody looks like me, you know, yeah. And at night. And um, um, uh, so that's very interesting. And congratulations on that progress. I also understand you've done some research or looking around at placemaking at night. This is an area of expertise that I don't think many people are giving much answer energy too. we have a lot of folks that are planning urban planners plan for the day you know where trees are going to be in this kind of stuff but what's it going to look like once it gets dark what what insights have you gained there
1: That is such a good question. I've worked now in urban planning. So I'm on the High Streets Task Force. um, And the High Streets Task Force works with towns and cities around the UK to help them improve. uh, And we've been appointed by the UK government to do so and an expert in that capacity. Um, In order to do that, I really felt like I needed to do a lot of research in order to really understand what our High Streets needed, wanted, etc. at night time. So again, we've performed quite a large piece of research over... I would say 10,000 people have have taken part in this survey, so it feels very robust. And one of the things that's really emerging, or a few of the things that are really emerging in terms of nighttime placemaking is um, lighting. So 35% of people say that lighting isn't adequate at nighttime. And they're not necessarily expecting overhead lighting, because that cast shadows and people understand that that has an impact on the environment but they're talking about creative lighting and so how do we utilize things like solar power wind power i worked with a seaside uh, community a few years ago um, and we were able to harness the power of the waves um, to make electricity on their seafront um oh, yes. and therefore there are ways in which we can make electricity to them power and that powered all of their harbor lights it their seafront lighting um, and we made really beautiful creative lighting out of that during lockdown so there are things that can be done in order to improve lighting that don't have to include things like overhead lighting neon lighting as we would know it in towns and cities that right. cast that awful orange glow that makes everyone feel like um, an axe murderer is about to jump out <laughs> and <laughs> start going after them <laughs> But so women need just that. need
0: yeah, but women just need to be more confident in that sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> women just need to be more confident. The interesting, another interesting one then is cleanliness. So um I did an overnight audit recently for one of our London borough clients. And one of the things was the area was filthy after dark. So there was litter built up everywhere, there was rubbish spilling out of bins, bins weren't being emptied, there was vomit on the streets. And people in the area had really commented on the fact that um, cleanliness made them feel unsafe. Um, bins waste collection. So that was probably about 33 percent of people were commenting that cleanliness had a direct impact on their lack of, uh, of safety. The other one then is walkways that we regularly as we do overnight audits, we'll see that walkways are built for day. So areas that are busy during the day. Can be quiet at night or busier at nighttime. And our footfall cameras are showing us that sometimes football is busier at nighttime than it is during the day. And yet that isn't necessarily taken into consideration in terms of when people are planning walkways. And about 33% of people are saying that if there's not adequate walkways that keep them away from traffic, um, that they don't bump into people as they kind of are walking around, that they don't feel like there's a conflict between them, buses, taxis, etc. Um, then that can make them feel really unsafe. But about 30% of people are also saying things like greenery and public art has a really big impact then on the of towns and cities at night. And so if those aren't right, and we do see a lot of cities not really concentrating on their public art or on their greenery, and yet they've got this amazing amount of people in their area who are creative artists, creative designers, creative sign posters that could be put to use to create something that's very specific and unique for that area Um, i remember working with this big venue i worked with a really big nightclub and they came to me and they said joe we've got this issue with people um and sexual harassment in and around this area of our nightclub um and i was like let, let me come and have a look i went into this venue to go and have a look and the area was completely dark it was mm-hmm. a walkway down to the toilets um, and we lit the area with this creative tattoo um, so we create one of their punters was a tattoo artist and we got this tattoo artist to create um, a lit tattoo that was very specific to the venue and the type of people that go into the area suddenly it became this place where people went to take photos um, and to get selfies and to put it on Instagram a week after launching it the venue said to me we've had no incidences of sexual harassment in this particular area a month later we still not had any incidences of sexual harassment in this area and I was like it's because there's loads of people there taking photos so no one's going to risk it Um, and this is really the approach that we need to take to our towns and cities how do we make areas that we know are feeling unsafe areas where people go to flock to become photographable instagrammable um, a a host for people to go to and Leicester did an incredible job with this um, after the remains of King Richard III were found Uh, buried in the car park in Leicester Um, they redid all of their town centre and they've created this beautiful heritage walk and you do the heritage walk and you can take your photo and your iPhone and it talks to you a little bit about the different elements of the history and they saw much more football in those areas from people doing this heritage walk at night than they had previously and so this is about making the most of your assets so each area will have unique assets that people um, and can be used so maybe that's like a digital trail maybe that's a public arts walk that people can do maybe it's something that families can come into maybe you'll have a unique art community that can really make your area look beautiful with graffiti trails or uh, kind of if you look in Lisbon they've got these amazing art um, installations from recycled materials that you can go on kind of the, this walk um, and do. So I think things like that really will make a huge, big difference. The other one is non shuttered shop fronts. Um, interestingly, with sh- shuttered shop fronts, if I can get my teeth in. Um, it has a really negative impact on the way people perceive an area. They feel really unsafe. Why are the shop fronts shuttered? If they're shuttered, it must be a really dangerous area. Um, and what we do see is actually, if those shop fronts are unshuttered, we don't see any more criminal damage than if it is a non shuttered shop front. So it's better to keep them unshuttered Um, and therefore it makes people feel safer so there's lots of different things the other one is sight lines so for women in particular having clear sight lines one of my personal pet hates is at bus stops or tram stops where you get those posters that block off all the sides of those tram or bus stops and you can't see inside them and so you can't see what's going on so you don't go into them because you think oh my goodness I can't see what's behind that giant poster so kind of the remove of some of these posters um, a regular check on lighting where the amount of cities that I work with that don't have a monthly check on all of their lighting to check whether Ah. it's working or not. Um, So those are probably the big ones that I would see. That's
0: terrific. Well, and the kind of thinking that needs to be front of mind with anybody who's working in any kind of urban setting. That's all very valuable. I am speaking with Joanne Cox-Brown. She's the founding director of Nighttime Economy Solutions in the UK. Uh, You can learn more about them at nighttime their website or int economy i'm sorry at twitter and facebook and nighttime economy on linkedin i'm going to give you the final word joe what's the most important thing or the most important steps any city or town could take to start addressing and boosting the viability or their identity of their nighttime economy
1: um. I recommend that you set up a nighttime strategy board and every area should have a nighttime strategy board and this needs to be made up of everyone who's representative of those people who are operating at night including businesses, charities, uh, those who work at night because so many areas operate and the police and the council will have a group and they will say we will decide what we're doing in our Towns or cities at night time that they won't consult the whole, pe- the whole group of people. Users, non-users, minority groups who are in the area also need to be included. Universities. And by working together in partnership, it makes everything so much stronger. So having a strategy board, having a night time strategy for your area that you are held account for delivering, making sure you meet on a monthly basis and then performing audits of your area with a very open and honest view. And if anyone wants to talk to me about performing audits and what needs to be included in that I'm really happy to do it take people out onto your street get them to feed back to you and say this is an issue um, and then also performing consumer surveys at least once a year with users and non-users of your nighttime economy in one city we discovered 45 of its uh, population were not using its nighttime economy at night and it was a really simple fix for us once we realized why they weren't using it, um, and we were able to completely change the diversity of offering in order to account for everybody. And now they're sat about uh, 85% of the population using their nighttime economy at night with just a very simple tweak to attract more and different businesses into the area. So-
0: has been Season 1, Episode 18 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation. Learn more about us at 24HourNation.com and on social media at 24HourNation.